Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to The Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell from Hightower Great Lakes. Today we are in the middle of our Return on Life series, and Tim has really been talking to us about what that looks like, what that means, and I'm going to just hand it right over to Tim so he can continue this discussion. Good morning, Tim. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. How about yourself, Eric? Doing fantastic. I'm looking to part two. What are, what are we talking in part two today? Well, we talked last time about three big questions that we try to address with the return on life concept. Mm -hmm. So when we're putting together financial plans, we're gathering the numbers or putting together the number crunching. But first of all, we talked about last week, understand your value or like where, where your, your history of money, where you learned about money and mm -hmm. what you think about money. Today, once we've gotten that, we're going to talk about the second big question we try to address, which is, are you managing your money in a way that's improving your life? And mm. then what we'll do is we'll address the third question, are you prepared for life's big transitions in the next podcast? So how does that sound? It sounds great. I mean, it's it's interesting the way you phrase it. Am I managing my money in a way that is improving my life? And I don't really think of it that way, or I haven't, I guess, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping that maybe you'll change my mind because I've always thought about, am I managing my money in a way that's going to allow me to retire, right? Am I managing my money in a way that's going to allow me to have enough money so I don't end up on the street? <laughs> Something like that in late retirement, but not in the way you've versed it, which is, am I managing in a way that is improving my life? So I'm interested to see what you've got to say about that. Yeah, I think when you turn on the TV, when you listen to advertising, when you're just watching sporting events and watching commercials, they talk about exactly what you just said. Everyone's focused on return on investment. Mm -hmm. And that's certainly a really important variable. But the ROL index or return on life process where, you know, money is obviously relative. We have clients who spend 2000 a month. We have clients who spend 40000 a month. So money means different things to different people. Mm -hmm. And we use a survey to help us kind of quantify the question we're addressing today, which is, are you using the money you have to improve your life? Because again, when you focus just on rate of return, you're focusing on the future you're saving, 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 but sometimes you're not spending to really enhance your life today and you're not being present. So that's really what we're trying to address. You know, I used to live in an area that uh, across the street, across kind of a, a major street was a very, very, very affluent neighborhood. And we're talking multi, multi-million dollar homes, beautiful homes, huge properties. And something that I kind of always noticed was a, a large section of them people weren't home a lot, right? I mean, it was a lot of them were working really late or that you'd, you'd see people pull into their driveway at eight o'clock at night, nine o'clock at night, you know, as I'm out and about. And I think about that. I was like, you know, beautiful house, beautiful property, but do they have to work that long and hard to maintain a house that they don't get to spend time in? And that's just something I've always kind of kept in mind. I, I, I would love to be able to spend $40,000 a month if I was graced with that amount of money, but what am I spending it on? Is it something that's 
again, like you said, improving my life and I'm, I'm enjoying my time and my family and the, the things I'm blessed with, or am I spending that money maintaining something I don't get to visit? Exactly. And so what we do is we use a survey that comes up with an index and it measures your satisfaction primarily in three areas. One we would call well-being. The second area is what we would call progress. And the third is called freedom. So I'll just kind of walk through what each of those means. But before I do, again, I just want to stress when people take the survey, oftentimes it's meant to create conversation. So if you come up with a score, it's a relative score. And I always enjoy when a husband and wife or when spouses take the surveys separately because we typically get different scores Hmm. and it creates a lot of conversation. Oh, I bet it does. (laughs) Yeah. And when it comes to well-being, for example, one of the things that comes up with a score is what kind of rate of return or return you're getting on your leisure. And what that means is, are you funding, are you really allocating funds today or in the future to save for your hobbies, your interests? You know, are they kayaking? What kind of vacations do you like to take? And one of the examples I like to use is in Valparaiso, Valparaiso University is here in town and we work with a number of professors and you can imagine while you're working as a professor, you just have this natural collaboration among your peers, right? There's mm-hmm. there's events, there's speakers, there's traveling, there's sports. But when you retire and you're no longer kind of naturally in that world, you really have to proactively reach out and go back and get those things. You have to fund them, you have to find them, you have to plan for them. And so we talk about that uh, when we're putting together financial plans and other, how are you going to do that? What's it going to cost and things like that. But that's just one example of kind of return on leisure. The other one in the well-being area is we get a re- what we call a return on health. Again, it's it's a relative score. But what we're trying to create is a conversation about what are you planning for in terms of health? So a lot of times people ask me, what do I need when I do retire? And maybe when, if you're spending X amount per month, we need to add a little more mm-hmm. initially when you retire for travel. And then we typically need to add a little more, uh, you know, as you get older for long-term health care and things like that. But you're just, you're much better off kind of identifying up front what kind of health and health care and activities. So for example, I have a client who was here in the area forever and they retired a couple years ago, stayed in the area, but just very recently decided to sell and completely move out to Colorado where they really don't have their network, you know, like their, their family network, their friend network, but they made a conscious decision that they wanted to be outdoors, be healthy, mm. uh, and they felt like that would really promote that by making that move. So we helped them plan for that. Yeah, I mean, that's an excellent idea. If you if you love Colorado or you love the mountains or you love an ocean or whatever's going to motivate you to get out there and walk, get out there and hike, get out there and, you know, bicycle, whatever, I think that's fantastic. Yeah, and... And the other part of well-being, too, is obviously relationships, relationships Mm. with friends, relationships with family. So we talk about how are you using your money to make sure you're getting the maximum return on your relationships? Are you in previous podcasts? I think if you've listened, you know I'm a big fan of lifelong learning. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of organizing events with families where you're getting them together. It's an opportunity to collaborate. Maybe you mix in philanthropy planned giving, donor-advised funds. I have clients who actually set up education accounts, not just for like grandchildren's 
college but or education, but also just for their children and family to go on educational events. And one other example I'll give you is um, my wife recently, Nancy, what she did was she organized and brought in a speaker to our house and invited a bunch of her friends. And actually, she got 16 people, which is probably way too many for the size of our house, but uh, <laughs> they all wanted to come. That's you know, right. Because it was an interesting topic because people are always, I think, interested in learning. The more we talk about Nancy, the more I like her. <laughs> I, look, I look forward to meeting her someday. She's yeah, pretty smart. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's exciting. I, I love that. And I love the, the thought of, for me personally, I've got a couple grandkids now and, and I've got my children. And I, I would love to be able to plan a vacation for all of us as a blessing to them, be able to pay for it. And, and knowing that there's going to be certain times when we're going to do something as a family and, and hang out and, and enjoy ourselves. But then there's going to be a lot of time during that vacation where we say, all right, you go and have fun because I'm not going to want to go and do all the things they're going to want to do because, you know, generation gaps and so on and so forth. But being able to have them go out and have a great time and my wife and I have a great time doing whatever we're going to do and then come back together as a family and just kind of talk about what we did during the day and maybe play some games or hang out, watch a movie or something like that. I think what what a better use of my time and money to, to be able to do that and bless them when I know they're in the, the throngs of either college education where they have no money or they're just getting established in their careers when they still, again, have very little money. I think that would be fantastic. Yeah, I agree. And so one of the things we focus on, like I said, is spending your money in a way that's really promoting your well-being, your return on your leisure. Mm-hmm. Are you making sure that your health is planned for And also, are you really allocating resources to enhance and grow your relationships? The second area that we, that kind of the survey comes up with some good ideas for what we also consider progress. One of the big ones that we plan for here is what I would call return on work. And what that means is, especially while you're working, I have had clients that have never enjoyed their job. Mm. Uh, They're almost slaves to the job, the position. They feel like they just need to stick with it. They've made commitments to the family just for supporting. And oftentimes, they just haven't put together a plan to make that transition. We also are finding that fewer people are looking to just completely retire. A lot of our clients are looking to perhaps get out of what they're doing now, but maybe do something that's less complicated, less stressful, requires less time, not necessarily semi-retirement, but transitioning into something that maybe donating time to charities, things like that. So return on work is a big one because if you're just working for 30 years to plan for that day you retire and you're not enjoying it, obviously you're not using your money to get the greatest return on your life. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. The other one is what we would call like a return on residence. But what that really means is one of the podcasts that I talked about previously can encompass downsizing, right? Mm -hmm. Or transitioning to a bigger house. We've gone through it ourselves. I have clients who are, I have one client in particular right now who's going through it where the husband passed away several years ago and they had built the house together probably five, six years prior to that. So it's a larger house than she needs. We've been talking about some sort of transition probably for, I guess, for a couple of years now. And very recently, she did make the decision to do it. But as you can imagine, it's just not just financial, but it's super emotional. Mm-hmm. Uh, so not only requires, we had to talk about here's your portfolio. How are we going to transition? 
How are we going to take the proceeds from the one house to invest in the other? How is your cash flow affected? But more importantly, how is your lifestyle affected in the sense that she's going to get something that's new and as a result, less maintenance Mm -hmm. and and more help long-term. She's thinking five, six, 10 years down the road when she won't be able to be out there cutting the lawn, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And I think that those are the things that I think is beautiful that you help people consider is that if they want to stay in their home, let's say just as an example, they've got a four bedroom ranch home and with a nice lawn and so on and so forth. And that's kind of the homestead that the kids remember and the, you know, the grandkids have been through and, and you, you really want to keep that home, you you can take a look. Okay, what does it look like to downsize? What does it look like to keep? Do you have enough money to hire somebody who's going to take care of your lawn maintenance? Do you have enough to hire somebody who's going to take care of maybe some light cleaning during the week? Because you've got three bedrooms or two bedrooms that you don't nobody's living in, but you have for guests or, or whatever. And to be able to have them come in and do those things so that you don't have to spend your entire time doing that. Again, it's kind of that cost of time versus cost of spending time with your family, so on and so forth. Because if you have to mow an acre and a quarter of, of lawn, you know, every week, that's a tremendous amount of time plus physical, you know, work on a body that is probably in their 60s or 70s. Exactly. Yeah. And the other part of progress is looking forward and making sure that you're reinvesting in the learning or the achievements that you need to continue going forward. Meaning that there's a quote by Warren Buffett from several years ago where he talks about the re-education, recertification, retraining that will be required as a result of the advances in technology for so many people. Getting back to higher ed with where my where Nancy is um, an assistant dean in the College of Arts and Sciences at Valparaiso University, the university system is going through dramatic changes right now, just like every industry. Mm-hmm. And you know, several years ago, she went back and she got another master's degree. I've had clients who have gone back and one of my favorite stories is I have a client who has five children and in the, I think when she had her fourth child, she wanted to go back and get an accounting degree, which seems crazy, but <laughs> she did it. And uh, wow. when I met when I met her, she had gotten the accounting degree, and she was out looking to do work in accounting. But she was forward thinking that she, she would have to have that designation in order to really get where she wanted to be to provide for the kids, to provide education, et cetera. So we need to plan for those types of things because those are critical in today's fast-paced, changing world. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. What an incredibly strong woman that is. I oh, can't imagine. I'm telling you. Gee, it's, Christmas. It's, it's amazing. I, I have nothing but so much respect for her. It's, it's wild. <laughs> and that was, you said that was after number four and she had five. Yeah, hey. exactly. <laughs> I know. When I first met her, I was, you did what? Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. The third area that the survey addresses is something we call freedom, which is really your ability to use your resources, your money, to find your purpose, to create autonomy, to create financial security. One of the things that I think that financial advisors do, and I know through surveys that clients tell us that we do, is when we work with clients and we let them know that they're on path for success, whatever that success goal is for them, it inherently eliminates a lot of stress. And with when we reduce stress, we improve their security, that we mm-hmm. improve their ability to relax, their ability to feel financially secure. Their health, yeah, as well. Confidence and health and all those things. So we really, we talk about that a lot. And so autonomy is a big one, especially as people are approaching retirement, getting into retirement, 
one of the biggest fears is that they have to rely on their kids, rely on mm-hmm. other people in order to remain independent, To especially with healthcare and things like that. So we need to always focus on that and not, I should say, plan for it, be aware of it, and not just kind of park it in the in the back of your mind and not think about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other thing, too, is this is where philanthropy really kicks in, too, because what we want to talk about is when you're using your your money, your resources to get the maximum return in, in terms of generating or achieving your purpose, a lot of times that has to do with planned giving. When we do cash flow budgets, when we talk about goals, oftentimes I find that clients have specific charities, nonprofits, causes that they're that they really want to help, mm-hmm. but they do it sporadically. They don't necessarily do it with plans where they really make big impacts. I know we went through the process as a firm about a year ago where we do a lot of sponsorships and we went through and looked and we did maybe 15, 20 different sponsorships a year. And we made the decision that we wanted to maybe consolidate and do fewer, but make more impact when we make those sponsorships and those, those gifts and Mm -hmm. things like that. Mm -hmm. We try to make sure that when we're helping them plan as they're filling out this return on life index survey that we focus on what do they think is their purpose and what kind of impactful help can we give them? Well, I'll tell you what. I, I remember a podcast quite a while ago. I'm not exactly sure what number it was, but somebody can go back and take a look at that. We spoke about philanthropy and giving and how to get the family involved. And I think this is a, a beautiful way. My wife and I worked at Boys Town for a number of years in Omaha, Nebraska. And there was a family every year that would come during the Christmas season because some of the kids were allowed to go home and were able to go home to their families for Christmas. Some of them were not able to. They didn't have families that were stable or they didn't have families at all. And so some of them were stuck for the Christmas season at Boys Town with their family teachers, which that's what Candy and I did. And there was a family that came in and sponsored a lasagna night during Christmas, gave each of the kids some gift cards to like McDonald's and Burger King and things like that as gifts. And it was beautiful because they brought their children and their children helped to serve the dinner, the lasagna and interact with the kids. And it was just a a wonderful picture of a family going out of their way to use their finances to bless those that were less fortunate, but then involving the kids in serving and mingling and greeting and talking with kids that are a little bit older than them, but still they're still kids, right? And they still enjoyed each other's company, even though they came from two completely different worlds. It gave those kids a perspective on what it means to give back. And when you involve a family like that with your philanthropy, I think that that is a generational education tool, just like you've talked about before. And so I think those are beautiful scenarios that you, I know that you and your team at Hightower Great Lakes help your clients figure out how to do that and involve the kids and grandkids. And I I just think that that's a wonderful strategy. Yeah, like you said, in addition to making more impactful gifts, it becomes an opportunity to collaborate with mm-hmm. your kids, your grandkids. It becomes a great opportunity to pass down knowledge, to pass down a legacy. You yeah. know, where did the money come from? How hard did you have to work to get it? And having that knowledge and passing that down to the next generation, to the ultimate beneficiaries who will ultimately receive the money, I think it helps them have more respect for the money and treat it treat it better, or should say use it in a way that helps them rather than hurts them. Yeah, and the fact that you're showing them you don't need it all, right? We, yeah. we have plenty. 
and we have plenty to be able to help others and give to others as well. And that, that really plants a seed in those younger kids or younger grandkids to be able to do that and see that. Exactly. And the final area of freedom is really what I would call just time is the commodity. Mm. Again, just getting back to what financial advisors do, what what clients tell me we also do is we really free up their time so that they can focus on things they prefer to do. I'll meet with people who love to manage their own money, and I think that's fine. But if we can partner with them and we can help them not just manage money, but make sure it's part of a comprehensive wealth management plan, part of a comprehensive tax and estate plan. We also become a kind of a succession plan partner if something happens to them mm-hmm. and you know who's going to take care of their spouse, their family. But what we really do by being partners with them is we free up their time so that they can maybe spend more of it with their hobbies, with their family, with their charities, with the things that they really love to do. Hopefully take a nice vacation. Yeah, absolutely. And and we've talked about a lot of scenarios today and a lot of the things that you guys really strive to help your clients do. Can you give us some real world examples of of what that looks like for some of your clients so we can kind of get that picture in our heads? Yes. So a lot of times when I work with a business owner, we talked in previous podcasts about the process where we're looking at or preparing them for preparing them to help the business get ready for sale. Then we're getting the business ready for sale. Part of that is really looking at some of these key metrics like once, I should say post-sale, once the proceeds are ready to come out, are they ready to have the structures in place to create the philanthropy plans, the education plans? So we worked with a client actually two years ago to sell a business. And it's one of my favorite examples because there was a lot of planning in advance based around philanthropy. And based around, in this instance, the the estate was large enough, the proceeds were large enough to create a family foundation. Mm. They also created a donor advice fund. They've gotten their kids involved with planning and you know making decisions as far as where the funds go, sitting on the boards, and just working with the different charities. This family is so generous and, and so appreciative of where they came from and of the community they're in, that that became the dominant force behind the whole comprehensive plan. And that drove the estate plan, the tax plan, et cetera. So all the team, the CPA, the attorney, the trust officers, we all knew that that was the driver and that became part of um, everything we did. Mm. Yeah, that's a beautiful story, absolutely. So I, I wanted to, again today, just to talk about the survey that we offer our clients to help them identify or I should say, help them focus on managing their money in ways that help their well-being, in ways that make them progress towards their goals, and also provide them with freedom and independence. What I thought we'd do in the next podcast is really cover the third big area of this program, which is, are we preparing for life's big transitions? And I'll cover that in the next one. Okay. Yeah, we'll definitely look forward to that. Now, as far as this survey is concerned, you have it on your website, correct? We do. Anyone can go to our website and they can take the survey. And like I said, it's a it's a relative score, but it gives them a, a good understanding of where they're scoring and where their spouses may be scoring together and separately with all these different areas. 
what is your advice? Is it to download and take the survey separately and then come together and talk about it? Or should they take the survey separately and then reach out to your office to talk about it together and kind of do the big reveal then, you know, so you guys can talk about what the yeah. differences are and why, or, you know, how, how would you ask them to do this? So my recommendation is they, they take the survey separately mm-hmm. and we'll get the scores. We'll follow up with them. They'll also get the scores. I do think that because we've done this so often and we've seen so many of them that we can add a lot of insight, but certainly they can just take it and keep it and discuss it themselves. But I think they'll be better off if they, at the very least, talk with us about what they mean. Got it. Okay. Is that a free service, a survey? Yes, that's free for sure. All right. Fantastic. And again, can you give the website address and, and maybe the phone number to reach out to you? Sure. If they... Contact us at Hightower Great Lakes. My direct office line is 219-246-5370. All right, Tim, a pleasure as always. Thank you so much for your time today. And uh, any other closing thoughts? Yeah, I'll just say in closing that clients work with us because we create customized plans and we'd love to work with you. So please contact us. Awesome. Thank you again, Tim. And thank you all for listening to the Wealthstream podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Hightower Great Lakes, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Wealthstream podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. 